Hello and welcome to I Wrote You a Pilot, the podcast where I hastily write television pilots for some of my favorite creatives who have yet to catapult into superstardom, and then I make them read the scripts with me in an attempt to ride their coattails into the offices of the television hotshots that ultimately control my happiness. This is the first episode of the second season, and a lot has changed over the past year. My dad passed away, the pandemic is coming to a close, and I've also experienced countless smaller events that will forever shape my worldview. But I have still yet to be showered with money from the entertainment gatekeepers, so <laughs> here I go again. My first guest this go-around is Eric Trundy, an accomplished stand-up comedian who has worked with well-known favorites such as Dave Attell, Doug Stanhope, and the late John Witherspoon. His comedy is capable of mining laughs out of tragedy and treating silliness with the utmost importance. We talk briefly about television involving characters in their second act, so to speak, and then dive into the pilot I wrote for him, entitled Eric Trundy, Psychological Investigator. That is the wrong fucking music. Stop it. <laughs> I feel like that should be the theme song. That's yeah. the opening right there, man. That's a fucking... I want that for my theme song. All right. Take two. Take two. It's a new season. I'm getting into it again. It's a pilot, wrote you a pilot, a pilot I wrote for you. So uh, we'll just kind of jump right in, talking a little bit about your kind of television interest and background, just yeah. in case anyone listening doesn't know you. Most <laughs> of the people that listen to this yeah, podcast I feel like it's are 12 probably... people I know and yep. 10 of them like me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a high percentage. So I, I, You know, I've been working on it. You know, I, if if you don't know they exist, it doesn't matter. Right. They don't count, right? <laughs> So you listed uh, a lot, a lot of different shows as kind of favorites. I could have, I could, I, you know, it was one of the more fun things I've done, but also like, I felt like I was writing, a, I, I felt like I was submitting a paper. You know, you just want oh, to sure. take back. I would like to just do this one thing different. I could have listed a hundred shows. Every day somebody asks me, I'll have 10 different shows I, I really love. Right. But it always does feel like a personal question, even though it's it kind is. of malleable. Like, yeah. it's like what, what shows define me? Well, I mean, I was raised by those shows, right. you know? So it's super intimate almost. Like, I have an intimate relationship with television. Yeah. You know what <laughs> Which I mean? is good. Yeah. I mean, or bad. I, I don't know. It's yeah. confusing. Yeah. I don't know if people who are streaming stuff has have kind of an as intimate as a relationship as like when you had to be ready for the television rather than television being ready for you. Maybe, uh, I guess you would compare it. There was just less options. Like I would say, uh, people who stream everything, it's like a marriage where somebody they really enjoy. And then when I was, my marriage would be, uh, <laughs> I met a, I met a lady one day and she's, she's the one. You know what I mean? Right. That's the one I have to be with because that's the only option. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I haven't met a lot of people. <laughs> it came on on Thursday, 8 o'clock. Guess what? You're watching that. There's nothing else to watch. Right. You know but I mean? so I noticed a lot of your favorite shows are kind of older shows. Yeah. You, know, you listed like Married with Children, The Jeffersons, <laughs> Night Court, Cheers, all yeah. like classics. So it's the one you you were stuck with, but it's also the one like a couple years later, you realize it's the one you want to go back to. Absolutely. No, I got really lucky. Uh, um I, I just recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, I started researching the greatest uh, lineups of television history. I just wanted to get into what were the great blocks that sure. ever happened. And there were changes, you know, but uh, there were weird shows that I really fell in love with. 
uh, Empty Nest. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Empty yeah. Nest after the Golden Girls. That was kind of, yeah. And it was in the, like, the Wings era, like yes, around wings, all this. dude. Like, so Wings, uh, Wings came on, and uh, I loved that show so much because on the background, in the on the little letter board, it had the name of the city I was in. It says New Bedford because they flew out of Cape Cod. It, right. They went to the New Bedford Airport all the time where I used to go and just watch planes fly over my head, you know. Uh, and so... So was I, that like an exciting thing about New Bedford? Was no. The general- <laughs> <laughs> no. That place is horrible, dude. I've heard you say that before. It's so and bad. all I really know about it is that it's the location that like Moby Dick starts yes. in. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. So like uh, way It was written in New Bedford. There's a, a fisherman's chapel at Bethel. I can't remember what they call it, but there's a whaling museum. What's funny, so I've been doing a bit on stage uh. about uh, how much I love whales. And... <laughs> I say, I, I just start talking about, oh, I love wheels. I love that they're always in group. I love that they communicate with each other. Uh, I love that I love them so much and I can't pronounce the word correctly. I love that <laughs> everyone good. here thinks I'm talking about tires right now. Like, oh my God, he loves <laughs> But uh, So in terms of accents... To be capital of whaling is you know like I mean? innate comedy. I, I just realized not that long ago that the high school I went to, uh, the mascot is the whalers. And I'm like, I, we've been mispronouncing right. it. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> been mispronouncing it. Like we go to play somebody and they're like, oh, those guys really like tires. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's a whaling capital. Um, it's uh, And it was on the board for wings and those are its two claims (laughs) to fame yeah uh so i've heard you talk about uh previously how one of the like kind of challenges of stand-up is uh convincing yourself that your your jokes are still funny kind of every time you go up there yeah Uh, and i wondered if like that kind of mentality lends itself to Rewatching shows where you can always kind of appreciate something. Yeah. Like, even though you've seen it a thousand times, you appreciate a different nuance with each kind of rewatch of it. Especially now. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Um, especially now. So, once I tell a joke a thousand times, I really do have to trick myself. I have to remember what's the fun part of this. Right. So, I'm not just reading, right? And it's given me appreciation for when I watch shows. Uh, looking at what's fun about this. What, you know, I'm watching it. I, I watch the same shows so many times over and over again, and I always see different stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, now I'm looking for where is anybody having fun? Sure. And where is anybody not having fun? And, and I can think- I tell the difference? And how can I spot it? Can I spot it because it's bad, or can I spot it because they're telling me, you know? And, sure. and I had a set last week where I was in autopilot and I was legitimately hating my, I started hating myself three minutes in and then I hated myself professionally for eight minutes. You know what I mean? And the whole time I was just screaming, stop it, just stop it. Tell them that you hate it. Tell them that you hate it. And I did. And so when I watch some shows, I'm looking for that. And I'm also, I just. But you're also willing to be completely honest about it. Like once it's kind of ringing in your head. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. I, you know. I mean, of stand-ups, I know at least angle. Like you're actually you're one of my favorite standups Thanks, in the man. country. Uh, uh, not so not awesome. to like yeah. I hate you know. I people well, say, say he's a, a, he's nice a great standup in Greensboro. Too. I think you're a great standup in America. Wow, thanks. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. But uh, you have always been very truthful and honest. You've I know in the past like 
your early stuff I saw dealt a lot with personal trauma yeah. and things, and things I've seen recently have been a lot sillier. Yeah. And I I was curious if, because when I first saw you do the trauma stuff, you're yeah. kind of one of the only people I saw doing it. Yeah. And that's become, as I've seen more and more stand-up recently especially, that's almost, almost become a language yeah, in yeah. stand-up. So has that been freeing for you that you have a chance to be a little sillier that doesn't feel like you're the only person out there uh, kind of exposing this element of the world? I I think I've done, I think I have uh, helped some people I know talk more specifically about trauma and be open about emotions and feelings and stuff like that. And if I've helped anybody do that, that would make me cry. That's right. fantastic. Um, well, I'm sure you have, and I think you also help teach them because like that's a great therapy kind of personal growth thing Yeah, to simultaneously incorporate that with the art of comedy is then another separate skill on top of it. And you have a unique gift of helping people in both respects. Thanks. Uh, that's really sweet of you to say. I, um, I don't think there's any other way. I think the, the two ways to process trauma for me, I, I, there's a million ways and the ways that I know, uh, I'm trying to learn all the other ways, but the two ways that I know are laughing and crying, uh, you know, and being angry. And I'm trying to get rid of the being angry thing, and I'm trying to laugh and cry about stuff. And I feel like uh, I've been being really silly as much as possible. It, it's to the point of nonsense. You know what I mean? It's nonsensical. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. And I scream about it, and it makes me so happy. I, I feel like, I feel like I got the silly taken away from me pretty early, and I'm trying to get it back. I think I'm supposed to be weird, right? And so a lot of the shows you mentioned, uh, especially comedy-wise, are a lot of them are sillier shows. Yeah. They're three camera sitcom kind yeah. of things. Yeah. You know, they still tackled important issues like the Jeffersons existing, like uh, two twenty-seven getting a chance to like be a show that was very important at the time. But they were still. Just rock solid comedy, beat, beat, beat. We're going to make you laugh. Did I ever tell you about John Barney? No. So John Barney, if you look him up, uh, won some Emmys and uh, wrote on some shows like Empty Nest and 227 and The Electric Company. Oh, nice. And I met him uh, doing comedy in my first my first couple months. Uh, he was an older dude. He called himself the Silver Senior. He, like, changed shit for me. Uh, He's passed now, but um, when I saw him doing comedy and he was just such a different person than me and uh, we just talked about comedy. I had no idea he had written on these shows that I adored as a child and uh, and we never really talked about it specifically, but he did talk about uh, writing and uh, he always talked about the relationships he had with the people on the shows. And for me, hearing that he had done those things with people that he loved and that they were successful changed shit for me. Nice. I, I had never met anybody who did anything creative successfully. And that actually brings up kind of another point I wanted to hit on, especially with uh, a number of the shows. A lot of the shows are kind of the someone's second act or like yeah, they had yeah, something yeah. happen going on before. Like, you know, wow, cheers dude. is like 
Oh, what if uh, the former Major League Baseball yeah. player was a bartender? Mary with children, former high school star, now a shoe salesman. Right. Nightport, what if a magician was now <laughs> the fucking judge? Uh, Breaking Bad, even, like in drama-wise, like yeah. high school teacher to meth salesman. Wow. I mean, yeah, and, and some of your uh, previous comedy influences that I've heard you talk about, too, like Pryor, uh, Martin, Dangerfield, yeah. like they're all like, they had... A significant, like you know, Martin was an accomplished banjo player before he ever did comedy. Yeah. Like Briar had been Magician married as well. Yeah, married and divorced before he, you know, actually also jumped into. Did a lot of uh, he did a lot of Bill Cosby comedy when he first started right. doing comedy. That it was a he, did, he couldn't figure shift. out how to be himself. Yeah, no. same with uh, Dangerfield had exactly. a very different persona. Quit, came back in his forties and sold blew insurance up. forever. Right. Uh, the the great thing about Dangerfield is how much he helped everybody when he got put on. When he finally made made it through, you know, the Young Comedian specials wasn't somebody else's idea. Sure. You know, and uh, yeah, so I it's, it's funny that I, you know, I've never been able to, I've never intentionally been like, oh, that's a, a second act for that guy's great, but right. I those are the people I do like. Yeah, I, I like people who evolve and change and grow. You know what I mean? Right, and have had a history to bring into yeah. whatever they're doing. What are you going to talk about? Right, because you got started <laughs> in comedy when you were like 35 or something, yeah, which yeah. is relatively late probably 34. for most people, 30. like somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you had tons of kind of odd jobs and side gigs I've heard you talk about. Yeah, like before. all my gigs are side gigs. Right. Yeah, I say that all the time. <laughs> uh, all my hustles are side hustles. When right. everybody's like, hustle, hustle, grind, I'm right. like, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm but just I'll, trying to survive. I'll do some of them. Uh, well, that was the thing I thought about today, too, is like uh, through the pandemic and uh, the quarantine and all that, uh, if I didn't have side hustles, I would have been a mess. Right. You know what Sometimes I mean? you just need something to do. And when comedy gets taken away, you yeah. like gives you a chance to be like, oh, yeah, what, but what else is me? Right? That right. kind of, what have I been? So in improv and sketch... There's kind of a standard, like, or reusable form that gets used a lot often called old job, new job. Okay, yeah. That's a comedic device. And right. so I kind of noticed that in some of the shows okay. and this idea of a second act. So that's yeah. part of how I approached uh, the pilot I, that I I'm wrote for so you. I'm so excited you have no idea. Yeah. I, I'm, this is... Uh, this is like, I, I'm, I'm just very excited, dude. This is awesome. All right. So uh, you want to go ahead and get into yeah. the pilot called Eric Trondy's Psychological Investigator? <laughs> yes, please. All right. Here we go. All right. We open on a wall of newspaper clippings. The camera pans across them as we see various headlines. Uh, local PI Eric Trundy saves mayor. Uh, private investigator Eric Trundy exposes mayor's double life as a ghost. Uh, detective hire <laughs> Eric Trundy defeats mayor in Dusty Rhodes impersonation contest. And uses money to open psychology practice. You know, just and that's the, the just the standard newspaper stuff that you'd see. Right? <laughs> the camera then holds momentarily on a psychology degree. The wording institution is just labeled as, you know, it's, just, it's the fucking college of brains. <laughs> we, we pull back to reveal a waiting room where a couple sits. The woman is staring with a look of rage, and the man is uh, silently staring at his phone watching porn. But it's not normal porn. It's like weird micro-machine-based porn. <laughs> Everyone can tell that these people should never have gotten married. An office assistant, Duncan, sits nearby playing Pac-Man on a full-ass arcade cabinet Hell behind yeah. his desk. Suddenly, the psychologist's door opens, and a patient walks out alongside of our hero, Eric Turundi. Uh, th thanks, doctor. Asking myself, uh, is this fucking stupid before I do something has truly been a catalyst that turned my life around. 
Yeah, just keep not do- being a dummy and your shit might be all right. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I, I think I really owe it to myself to be happy for once. Well, happiness is a pretty high fucking bar. Just be less of an asshole. Now get out of here. I got to help some of these other idiots. <laughs> patient leaves. Eric turns to his office assistant who is still engrossed in his game. All right, Duncan, whose problem am I fixing next? Oh, I'll check as soon as I finish this game. The man of the couple stands. Excuse me, but I believe we're the next appointment. Uh, we'll find out, uh, find out in a minute, buddy. He's about to get a high score over here. Uh, get those cherries. Oh, thanks, Dr. Trundy. Well, listen here, sir. I'm a very important businessman. I have both uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, you, you have no idea who you just told to wait a minute. Right, uh, of course, I don't know you. Uh, after all, I had you pegged as a guy that's been spending every Thursday at the extended stay on Pine Avenue under the pseudonym Uncle Jiggles, like some fucking horny clown. I also kind of figured that you have a weird roleplay fetish where you have your mistress dress up as a spokesperson for Micro Machines and then berate you for talking too slow. <laughs> the man looks back at his wife, who seems overcome with joy at her husband's comeuppance. Uh, are you a psychic? No, stupid. Last week I was the private investigator your wife hired. Now I'm your marriage counselor, you dumb fuck. There's the sound of a Pac-Man game kill. Oh, the doctor will see you now. And boom, we play the theme song. He's a former private eye, solving all the crimes. Now he's kicking down the flimsy door of your mind. Ding, 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 he's always gotta solve Repetitive success strained in like Pavlov But he's got secrets of his own, could this hero be flawed? Credentials counterfeit, is he a Sigmund fraud? Oh shit! All right, yeah, we uh, we come back from that. That that's a like that's an unskippable theme song. Just like Cheers. That's what I put that quality level at. We see the couple is now. Let's not skip over how fucking fire that theme song is, AJ. I don't want to. Oh, thank you. Jesus. <laughs> the couple now sits in Eric's office. Everyone looks tired. Uh, this has probably been an emotional yet comedically engaging meeting, but uh, we're just coming in at the end of it. All right, so aside from uh, the cheating and the weird fucking mini-car thing... Oh, Minna, John Machita Jr. is the world record holder. I'm sorry that I'm attracted to greatness. The camera turns to the wife, who has now removed her jacket and apparently has been wearing some gold, a gold medal this whole time from the Olympics. Oh, I'm an Olympic gold medalist! Oh, but it takes you so long to say that! All right, all right, that's enough. Therapy isn't supposed to be about you two talking about your problems, all right? It's supposed to be about me telling you what's wrong with you. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Jesus, it's like she was never going to finish the word. Hey, shut it. As I was saying, aside from the affair and the, uh, the car thing, I think you two's real problem is that you both fought too much. Uh, what? No. Uh, we never, oh, I never. Uh, only thing worse than fighting is lying about fighting. I got the evidence. Eric tosses a stack of photos. The wife opens the pack and a look of disgust comes across her face as she passes the photos to her husband. You can't tell I'm farting from a photo. Oh, look at that face. That's a fart face if I've ever seen one. <laughs> we cut to a shot of the photo. Yes. That's, that's definitely a fucking fart face. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I just pulled something. Uh, then what's the next one? We cut to the shot of the next photo. The guy's looking back at his own ass. You're obviously checking to see if you pooped yourself there. I've got hundreds of fart photos from both of you. So work on that before next session. Well, but we still have 15 minutes. Yeah, sorry about that. I got to close up therapy early today. My buddy AJ said he was going to bust in around now with some sort of problem. <laughs> just then, there's a thud on the door. They all turn towards the sound, but but nothing happens. There's a long beat, and then a sound of running, and then another crash against the door. It's still still nothing. The, the intercon system beats on. Uh, hey, dude. Dude, uh, your buddy AJ is trying to bust into your office, but uh, he's not having much luck. Tell that dummy to just turn the handle. 
The phone clicks, the camera stays on Eric and the couple that shouldn't be married. They sit there unblinking and wait as we hear a muffled conversation on the other side of the door. Oh, he says to turn the handle. Well, that's not very dramatic. Well, maybe if you do it quickly, instead of having a long conversation about it outside the door, it'll show up a sense of urgency. Uh, you don't think it's been too long already? Oh, if I learned anything from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's that time passes differently depending on which side of a door you're on. Oh, right, yeah. So even though it seems uh, to me like we've been talking for a while out here, in there, it probably feels like no time at all. Yeah, or it feels like forever in there, and they're already dead. Holy shit. You just blew my mind. I know. Just then, the door handle turns, and then the door opens. And then Eric's best bud, AJ, bursts into the room. He's got a belt full of an anachronistic objects and an outfit that would, yeah, that would fit well in just any <laughs> television world sitcom, all right? In one hand, he has a diploma. And with the other, he's just fucking chowing down on a rock. <laughs> Either here or there. But if uh, any onion farmers want to sponsor their show, that's an option this season. That's what I'm going with. All right, all right. Eric, your door is surprisingly well reinforced. Yeah, well, uh, don't be stupid. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I used to be a private eye, and I carry aspects of that job over into this, my new job. I have reinforced doors so that goons don't murder me. I love how it helps your line reading just add stupid. <laughs> it does on occasion. Uh, well, then, in that case, I suppose what I thought was an unnecessarily long attempt to open a door was actually an extremely well-written piece of character development. It was, it was definitely written. I don't think we need any quality descriptions put on it. Uh, what do you want, buddy? Well, you know how uh, you're not actually a licensed therapist, but you were tired of getting shot at, so I photoshopped all those documents for you? Well, I need to update the diploma because apparently there aren't any real universities just called College of Brain Stuff. Eric looks over at the couple, who are still sitting on the couch. They look semi-alarmed. Dr. Patient confidentiality. Well, I don't think that only works the other way. I, I, uh, I, just get out of here and remember, <laughs> no fighting. A couple leaves. Maybe the woman does some sort of impressive gymnastics in the room or something. Because, you know, she's an Olympian, as we establish. You can't be saying that shit around the customers, AJ. I, I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to swap it out before any rival psychologist showed up and exposed you as a fraud. Oh, you dope. What are the chances <laughs> of that happening? Cut to the main office. The main office door opens quickly and easily. It's as if a person weren't even attempting a dramatic entrance. He was just, like, using the door like a fucking normal person. All right. Standing in the doorway is Dr. Uh, Seymour Eric and AJ peek out to see who's just arrived. Hello there, my name is Dr. Seymour Neville. I'm here from the, the, the board of psychology. You know, the, the, the body that governs psychology. Yeah, of course I know about the board of psychology, because I'm also a psychology. Mm, yes, so I've been told. Uh, Dr. Neville begins looking around the room. I've actually had a fair number of clients tell me that they intend to switch over to your practice. He runs his finger over uh, the diploma frame. He seems surprised by the lack of dust on top of the frame and pays no attention to the words on the paper. I think your former patients like that I don't bullshit them. Mm, perhaps. They also said you have better... Uh, a drink specials? Yeah, well, I didn't want them to self-medicate, so it's better if I sell them booze. <laughs> hey, you're no 
Hello, psychologist. Hey, you don't get to define my self-concept. That's for me and famed psychologist Carl Rogers to determine. <laughs> uh, knowing about Carl Rogers doesn't prove you're a psychologist. Any two-bit not-yet-employed television writer could Google the concept of self-concept and stumble upon his work. Um, if you really want to prove you're a psychologist, you'll do it the old-fashioned way, by taking me on in a psychologist duel. All right, you fuck. I don't like fighting anymore, and any time I have to do it, it takes a deep psychological toll on me. In fact, in the end, it'll probably inflict more emotional hurt on me than I could ever physically harm another human being. But I do know what I'm doing, so good luck tugging on my fucking shirt here, because it won't be there. Eric rips off his shirt and tosses on the ground, so as to not have any loose clothing for the other person to grab. Dr. Neville turns his head away in terror. Yeah! Oh! Uh, you, you seriously think I'm stupid enough to get into a physical altercation with you after hearing your accent? A psychologist duel is a battle of the minds. We meet tomorrow and give our best diagnosis of each other. Loser leaves town as per standard rules of the board of psychology. Dr. Neville stumbles out of the room still covering his eyes. Looks like I have to break out some of my old private eye skills to figure out how specifically this guy is fucked in the head. Right, and uh, what should I, your best bud AJ, do? Uh, you should go get me a shirt. <laughs> Cut to. <laughs> a clothing store. Shortly after, AJ is shopping for shirts, mumbling to himself, and catches a salesperson. Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me, but do you have any uh, Eric-sized shirts? As licensed clothes salesperson, I can only assure that only name base size we carry is Trevor. Well, tre Trevor sounds uh, like a little small of a name for someone named Eric. <laughs> I wouldn't want him to be poo-bearing around. I'll just take the <laughs> biggest shirt you have to be on the safe side. Right. I'll meet you at the register. Uh, uh, yeah, and where is that? Uh, it's just uh, to the left of those two guys having some sort of my mysterious meeting over there. <laughs> AJ looks in the direction of where the salesperson points to see Dr. Neville having a mysterious meeting with an equally mysterious and evil-looking figure wearing a hat. AJ creeps closer to hear what's going on as the salesperson walks away. I'm telling you, sir, Trundy is as good as gone. There's absolutely no way he figures out my deep, dark psychological issues before I figure out his. I've already got him pegged as OCD just based on the cleanliness of his picture frames. The mysterious figure removes his hat in dramatic fashion, revealing he's actually the mayor from the newspaper clippings at the start. He's played by, I, I don't know, <laughs> the ghost of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> the fact that he's a ghost isn't a thing to people, but yeah, it's definitely, well, yeah, I'm, he's a ghost for some reason. Well, I wouldn't be so sure, Dr. Neville. <laughs> Mr. Trundy is a man of surprising talents. Did you know he beat me in the impression, impersonation contest of Hall of Fame wrestler Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes is dead. As a ghost, I should have had a clear advantage. <laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Mayor. Eric is remarkably candid about his past traumas, which is very good for personal growth, but very bad for psychologist duels. I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm so certain I'll win. You may as well pay me now. Well, we can discuss that more at the dinner party this evening, but rest assured you do this right and you'll be paid a sum large enough that you could reinfuse that money back into the economy, and it would eventually make its way into the hands of lower-income families. Well, I, I'm probably just going to keep it, though. Well, I mean, that's your choice. Mayor Regan, out. <laughs> the mayor walks through the wall, because, you know, he's a, he's a fucking ghost. <laughs> Dr. Neville uh, has to walk off all on, on stupid, normal human way, because he, he's not a ghost. Or, a AJ has a horrific look of realization. Holy shit, trickle-down economics is a terrible idea! Also, I need to tell Eric the mayor is out to get him. And boom, with that shocking re uh, revelation we cut to commercial are you a fan of sketch comedy like monty python key and peel and saturday night live have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh on the comedy podcast sketch nerds we aim to answer those questions 
while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. And, of course, you didn't really think I'd let a commercial break go by without plugging some of my own projects. <laughs> uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Brigida Mills, who sent me a tip on Venmo months after I was done with the first season of this podcast and whose generosity just created just a, just like a pit of guilt in my soul, which is ultimately why I decided to make some more of these. If you want to make me feel guilty without any monetary exchange, you could just follow my new rebranded sketch group, Trouble With Shapes, on all the various social media platforms. It'd be a nice gesture. I mean, we're, we're trying this time, so its failure will crush me. If, however, you do value your time more than money, feel free to Venmo me at US of AJ so I can swim around in a digital money bin as opposed to just treading water through years of entertainment mediocrity. <laughs> That's a fun look at my life. Let's get back to the show. All right, we return from that manifestation of my fear of making an actual effort and something still not working to exterior, a car with a broken mountain bike on the back of it. Eric sits shirtless in a car, staring through a pair of binoculars. Suddenly, there is a thud on the passenger side door. Eric turns to see AJ slide against the door. He stands up and once again tries to smash open the passenger side door. Hey, stupid. Just use the handle. It wasn't a good enough bit to keep repeating. <laughs> All right. AJ opens the door like a normal person. He's carrying a comically large shirt, which he tosses at Eric. Uh, hey, here, here you go. Uh, also, uh, I brought a raw onion. The perfect food for a steakhouse. <laughs> Double also, the mayor is behind Dr. Neville's challenge. Shit. Yeah, I thought that would shock you. Looks like we'll have to take all of on all of City Hall with just your intuitive sense of human nature, background in criminal investigation, and my plucky can-do attitude. No, I mean, this shirt is shit. It's fucking got off. Do you think I'm this fucking fat? I, I, you know, I was expecting you to be more upset about the mayor thing. And I beat him in a Dusty Rhodes impersonation contest. Of course he has a vendetta against me. That would carry on even after death. This shirt, however, is shockingly fucking terrible. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Buddy. I'm supposed to do spy shit in this? Better hope it's not windy. I'll blow around like a fucking <laughs> sailboat out there uh, with thoughts in the wind, flapping like my own loose asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know it's terrific. In fact, I'm more surprised when I check back there and find out I haven't shit myself. In the background, we see a well-dressed couple leave uh, the house across the street so that the next... This, and it's just so the next thing can happen. AJ grabs binoculars from Eric. <laughs> hey, it looks like the Nevilles uh, and his wife are leaving for that dinner party I heard them talking to the mayor about. Well, hopefully my ass cheeks hold together long enough for me to crawl through a window. <laughs> Got to. Uh... Exterior, outside the house, seconds later. Eric is outside the window on a walkie-talkie. He is now wearing the oversized shirt. It's a classic comic uh, visual <laughs> where uh, he looks like he's wearing his dad's clothes if his dad was like, just fucking haggard from Harry Potter. <laughs> AJ watches uh, from the car with his own walkie-talkie. Uh, am I still clear? Yeah, I mean, as long as you have the athletic ability to actually make it through the window. I gave marriage counseling to an Olympic gold medalist today, so I think I'll be fine. <laughs> Eric pushes up the window, and then does a fucking backflip through it. He, I mean, he almost clears it perfectly before his comically oversized <laughs> shirt catches on a loose nail. Cut to interior of the kitchen continues. Eric tumbles through the window in a chaotic fashion as the shirt rips off the, on the nail. Eric lays on the floor shirtless as the walkie pops on with static. Uh, you all right in there, buddy? Uh, I, I need another fucking shirt. <laughs> on it! Eric sits up and begins to investigate the house. He sees a series of family photos. 
Uh, when we were there on the beach and the doctor looks terrified of all the sunbathers around him, catches <laughs> Eric's eye for being fucking weird. Uh, he continues to look around and finds a small Greek statue on an end table, but there's a piece of tape covering the statue's midsection. He walks into the bedroom and grabs a t-shirt out of the dresser. It's definitely too small, but he puts it on anyways. He then wanders into the dining room where he sees a large table with dishes uh, set all around it. Cut to interior <laughs> of the car. AJ is sitting in the car sewing. Uh, man, I should have sewed him a shirt myself to begin with. Eric pops in over the walkie. Uh, no, but seeing as they left their house, I assume it's not there. As AJ finishes the sentence, the doctor and his wife pull back into their driveway. Dr. Neville's wife, who is also Dr. Neville, because she's also a doctor, seems mildly flustered as she gets out of the car, and the other Dr. Neville grabs two bags of ice from the trunk. I can't believe our freezer broke tonight of all nights. No, it's fine. We'll chill the champagne in the cooler. None of the guests have even arrived yet. Well, we were only gone long enough for a small comedic mishap. AJ's eyes go wide, and we cut back to the interior of the house. Uh, um, dude, hey, you, you might want to hide. Eric hears keys jingle in the door and books it back to the bedroom. It's important to remember while he's booking it, he's still wearing a shirt that is too small. So, yeah, it's... It's pretty funny looking. Eric tries to wiggle himself under the bed as we hear the door open. Ah, shit, ah, shit, ah, shit. Uh, this tiny shirt does nothing to stop my belly skin from rubbing against fine wood flooring. Uh, my navel is going to be as loose as my asshole. <laughs> Eric wiggles himself under the bed as we hear the doorbell ring and muffled sound of greetings outside as guests arrive. Well, well, Dr. Neville, this is obviously a house of capitalism. Oh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'm sure your taxpayer-funded home is equally non-socialist. Actually, as a ghost, I live in the liminal space. The liminal. Actually, as a ghost, I live in the liminal space between worlds. Maybe we should start having our secret meters here instead of random clothing shops. Oh yes, in a way, I suppose that would be left to <laughs> Eric shakes his head to himself under the bed, uh, listening to this inane conversation. As he turns his head, he notices some old-school print pornography, but the belly button of the cover model has been scribbled out with a marker. As he flips through the magazine, he sees that everyone's belly button has been scribbled out. The walkie-talkie clicks on. Uh, hey, buddy. I finished the shirt for you. Uh, you still inside? It quickly covers the walkie. Shut up, you stupid dummy idiot. The whole point of having a lookout is for you to uh, give me some sort of notice. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was familiar with the job of lookout. It just turns out that I am I am bad at it. But hey, you never know until you try, right? I, I, I think I know how to diagnose this guy, but I need, to, uh, I need a distraction to get me out of here so he doesn't think I figured it out by breaking into his house. I might have an idea. Cut to interior of the dining room seconds later. A group of fancy politicians and well-dressed professionals sit around the table laughing. <laughs> well, now now that our host is almost all but an, all but a, I can't do the well. Well, <laughs> well, now that our host is almost all but insured, I'll, I'll once again be the best impersonator of a very specific professional wrestler in the city. We can move on to the second order of rich people dinner party. How's everyone feeling about instigating a perch type scenario? There's a general murmur of agreement from the crowd but just then the front door's handle jiggles as if someone's trying to enter the house like a goddamn normal person unfortunately it appears to be locked and we hear aj from outside seriously i, I give up on the fucking bit and now the door's i, I just fuck i can't dude fuck i can't just oh 
shit. There's a sound of steps and then the car door opening, then shutting. Then suddenly AJ bursts through the side of the house in a car. That's how you make a dramatic entrance. Oh, what the hell? If I weren't already dead, I would be very upset by oh, this. Oh, yeah, sorry, guys. I'm uh, Mr. Butterfingers over here today. That total accident with the driving through the house. My bad. Uh, they continue to talk as Eric, still in a tiny shirt, slips out of the window in the background. Uh, it doesn't seem very accidental. You scream, that's how you make a dramatic entrance as soon as you walk, <laughs> walked into the room. <laughs> that's that's just what I say after accidents. AJ flips a photo off a nearby table. Whoops, that's how you make a dramatic entrance. Uh, Eric finishes crawling out the window as we fade on the continuing dinner scene. We cut back to interior, Eric's office the next day. Eric sits now in a normal size shirt across from Dr. Neville. They have a clock like, uh, a, it's like the clock that you would have in like fucking the competitive chess from like Queen's Gambit. Yeah. They smack it all the time, right? Duncan, uh, Eric's assistant from the from before, uh, that we haven't heard from for a while. He's got something else to do now. He stands between them with a stack of ink flots. Uh, the tired look on their faces indicates that this shit has been going on for a while. Dirt stain. He gets a clock, and Duncan flips to another block. Seagull hits clock. Poop stain. It's clock. Mother. It's clock. A butterfly that's too stupid to understand how windows work, and it's now a butt stain. It's clock. Oh, failed fraud. It's clock. Bad time. All right. Uh, that's all the ink blots. Now, whoever more a- accurately diagnoses the other will be declared the winner. Uh, they both write intensely. They then slide their papers over to Duncan with a level of uh, precaution equal to that of a family that has never trusted each other playing a game of Clue or Dominoes or something else that reveals, like, no one you're related to is a good person. Uh, Duncan reads the first diagnosis. And it appears Dr. Nevels has diagnosed Eric as obsessive-compulsive. No shit, stupid. <laughs> Upon Eric's confirmation of the diagnosis, Dr. Neville looks positively overcome with glee, and the ghost of Ronald Reagan slash mayor of the city flies through the wall. Ha ha ha, win, we win. <laughs> That's right, I'm the only one who master- masterminded this whole thing, Eric, and cutting you down is even more satisfying than cutting taxes. <laughs> Let me finish. Of course I have OCD, but that's definitely not my biggest issue. So in the immortal words of the American Dream, Duffy Rhodes, you fan, you can't beat my price, but you can't can't beat my me. Read my diagnosis, Duncan. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Oomphalophobia? Dr. Devils has a slight look of fear. Everyone else looks confused. Oomphalophobia, or as it's more commonly known as the fear of belly buttons. You just got the shit diagnosed out of you. <laughs> the ghost of Reagan looks quizzical before he burst out laughing and Dr. Devil uh, joins in. <laughs> Uh, uh, you really, uh, really, uh, for your belly buttons, that's your diagnosis. <laughs> that, that, that's absurd. You're, oh. you're obviously a fraud. Oh, yeah? Eric rips off his normal size shirt to read the lean. He's still wearing the fucking <laughs> tiny shirt underneath the whole time. He lifts his arms triumphantly in the air, exposing his belly. Oh, God, no. Oh, put it away. Put it away. Oh, please, someone, someone get me out of here. <laughs> Dr. Neville shields himself from Eric's uncovered belly as AJ goes to help uh, him out of the room. Mm. Hey, uh, since you'll be leaving town, I assume uh, I won't need to pay for the house I drove a car with you? Oh, I don't care. Just get me away from that monster. It looks looser than the asshole of a man in his mid-forties. <laughs> Dr. Neville exits. Mayor uh, Reagan floats towards Eric. Well, you win this round, Eric, but you haven't seen the last of Mayor Reagan. <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure about that. After all, you're a ghost, and my boy over here is wicked good at Pac-Man. Yeah, I'll hit the shit out of you, man. <laughs> Duncan runs towards the ghost of Ronald Reagan making Pac-Man noises. Keep that psycho away from me. <laughs> Mayor Reagan, uh, Reagan flies through a wall and out of the room. Eric looks around the room and takes stock of his victory. Yeah, you know what, guys? 
I'm not generally what you would call an optimistic person, but I think from here on out, I might be able to just be a psychologist and never again tap into my past as a private in investigator. Yeah, I think things are going to be pretty uneventful. Cut to interior and unknown trophy room. We pan across a room full of gymnastic trophies on one side and toy cars on the other. The husband from the first scene sits reading a book called, I don't... But it's fucking called uh, medical rules or something like that. He suddenly looks up. Oh, ha, I knew that's not how doctor patient confidentiality works. And boom, we cut to credits as that potential new threat enters the life of our former private eye turned psychologist. Oh man. Oh, so uh, that's uh, that's the pilot I wrote for you. Oh, thank you, AJ. That is, I, I'm sorry I'm so bad at reading oh. uh, and voices, but holy shit, is that fantastic! I, I personally man. love your 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 Ronald Reagan. Oh my Ronald Reagan! <laughs> I started off when I was a kid. I used to be able to do a couple impressions. Uh, now every impression sounds the opposite of what I intend it to. Like every impression ends up being Jamaican eventually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's a fairly common problem. <laughs> I used to do uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I would try to make my dad laugh. There were two impressions I did specifically. I did um, uh, Paul Rodriguez, uh, who's an old comedian from the right. 80s, who I actually worked with two years ago, and I got to tell him the story. It was super awesome. That's cool. And then uh, I did Ronald Reagan, and I was so much better at it because uh, my whole family was very uh, liberal, democratic, and so they hated Ronald Reagan right. a lot. <laughs> and so I would do Ronald Reagan saying stupid shit to make everybody laugh. So it's so sad to see how far away from that. <laughs> uh, was I not, was I never good in the first place? Right, AJ? that's Is always that the happened? question. Yeah. That's the question as we grow older. Of like, <laughs> what skills did we think we have? I feel like this uh, this type of stuff that you do is uh, just awesome, man. Like <laughs> you're you're. I think you're the most talented person I've ever met. Why? Well, I, I honestly <laughs> believe that. I honestly believe that. And I and I love that you uh, hate when people tell you that. And uh, I know you're you get uncomfortable with it, but I, I like I said before we started it, I, uh, it's an offense to me that you're not swimming in money because you're so fucking talented, and, and I, I really like everything you do. It's so funny. This is so. This is some of the stupidest shit I've ever read in my life. I love it so much. It's like, how do you know things about me? You know what I mean? It's 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 just really good, man. You're super talented. Well, well, thank you. But I yeah, I do. I have decided as I've grown in comedy, you know. Uh, because I didn't like really get hard into comedy until I was through college kind sure, of thing. Sure. And when I first started comedy, I thought, oh, I have to, I have to say something. I have to have. Be important. Like, yeah, I have to have. But then I'm also like, oh, yeah, but I'm a like, you know, middle class cisgender white man who has sure. just, like nothing really bad yeah. really happened to me in my life. So I was like, oh, but silliness does have value. And yeah. like just realizing which stories aren't mine to tell. Uh, right. definitely freed me up a lot Hell in terms yeah. of like, oh, I, yeah, what I can add to the conversation is a small release of just stupidity because yeah, everyone silliness. needs to be silly in every time. Yeah, it, well, man, excuse me. I wish I was, uh, that's what I'm trying to be good at now. I think you're great. Uh, just hearing you say fart is one of my favorite things in uh, the world. Did you do that because that's what I did at that show it, a couple I weeks did. ago? <laughs> yeah, uh, all of that is fucking, hilarious. the ripping the shirt off is just so funny. I'm glad I didn't read this stuff. I wish I would have read it yesterday so I would be better at reading it, but I'm glad I didn't because it's so, there's so many little, the the uh, yelling at people about no fart anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know why I did it that night. I just started yelling. It was like, I was, yeah. what I realized was if I, so hosting the UCC, the competition, all the people in there, they got to vote and there's rules and stuff and you want right. everybody to calm down. But also like 
whenever anybody goes up and just read rules at the beginning of a show, <laughs> kills the energy. Yeah, it's like uh, we're talking to a detention class. Yeah. You're gonna sit here for an hour and a half, and then I'll let you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want them to have fun, so I figured I can make them listen to the rules if I say them. But uh, the only thing I get real serious about is no fun. Right. You know what I mean, no fun. Yeah, that's that you're it. treating it just as serious as everything else. It's it like never. Yeah. If the fucking principal in the breakfast club could come in, and you can do a lot of things in here. But if you fucking fight, I swear to God. And and like to me, it's so important not to laugh. You know what I mean? Right. I just want to, yeah. Yeah, that you have to be the straight man to your own joke. Like I've been doing it a lot lately. Just everything I do, I'm just yelling about just silly stuff. I, I, I I did this whole thing. Uh, It would be like ten minutes on stage where I open up very seriously, and everything's setups recently. Like it's a minute and a half setup of. Uh, where I, I, I'm chuckling, laughing, da-da, and then I stop, and I'm like, you know what? Everybody in here I kind of consider a friend, and a lot of you have my phone numbers, and nobody decided to call me, text me, shoot me a message, and just be like, hey, the McRib is back. You know, nobody, and then I get real, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, uh, and then every now and again, I just say I'm a Chevy guy. Like, that doesn't mean every, you know what I mean? It means nothing. Why is it funny? I just, it, it's hilarious to me. Right, that hard twist of non sequitur, yeah. like, that. Yeah. Really, punches. I just love it. And Mar- Martin talks about that a lot. Yeah, of yeah. like how he realized uh, from his like philosophy background, once nothing has meaning, like it's <laughs> like just just your decision to yeah. like make people. Uh, he he talks about trying to never give them a release of tension, right? And eventually, that tension is going to build to a point where they just have to decide to release it themselves. Yeah, like, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Without like necessarily always having a clear punchline for that yeah. release. Uh, yeah, don't walk them into it. Let them figure it right. out themselves. I, what I'm uh, coming to recently, and actually like in the last few days, I'm having realizations. It's like, how did I, why did it take me so long to get to silly? Because I grew up, uh, I, I loved Steve Martin. I, I love, we were talking the Muppet show, things right. like that. They're just absurd, right? Those are the things I loved the most. And it took me so long to get to it. And I think what I'm realizing is uh, I wasn't allowed to be silly because it looked like weakness, I think. Mm. Um, but also, I thought it was for special people. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, when I saw it on TV and I was like, well, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be able to create anything like these hilarious people do. Right. And and now I'm trying to get to the point where I'm, I, I just said about six months ago was the first time I ever said I was good at comedy. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely thought that about you well before then, but right. I do understand because you were a student of comedy well before you ever got into it. Yeah, right. I, and I love it more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty similar. Yeah. And so uh, I think, I think it's actually you that I've heard talk about it before, like making it through that first year yeah. in comedy Yeah. when, especially when you love comedy before you do that first year, your tastes are already very high. Yeah. And so you're like, I know what's good and I know I'm not being good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, what I tell everybody, the, the, if anybody asks me for advice and most times people don't, but when I give it unsolicited, uh, what I'll say is the job, if you try to do comedy, anything, I think creative, uh, but comedy specifically because it's constantly trying to get rid of you is just stay around for the first year. You don't have to learn anything. You will learn things. Sure. If you just stay around. But if you try to learn things, you make it difficult. If you say, I have to create funny stuff, I have to have five minutes, da-da-da, you're putting so much pressure on yourself when really all you have to do is stick around and those things will happen on their own. 
And once you stick around, then you can decide what you want to learn with all the things that you learned already. Right. And then you have to get that base in, kind of. Yeah. I see yeah. so many funny people show up and then never show up again. It's like, right. there's a kid who's been around the last like month and he's only been on stage three times and he's killing me. And he's completely natural, nothing right. ran. And I worry when I go home that I'm never going to see him again. You know what I mean? He's so funny. Right. You know? But that is a, because I do think if you eat it for your first year or like you've, uh, we've talked about just like nightmare shows yeah. that like <laughs> when they happen and you're like, ah, shit, that didn't kill me. Like yeah. the next show, like whatever. Yeah. But if you start very good, if you're good for a whole year yeah. before you have a bad show, yeah. I can't imagine yeah. like <laughs> trying to come. <laughs> One of the funniest people. I, I, I think this kid's a genius. Uh, have you you've seen Dehaj? Oh, Hedrick. hilarious! I think, a, I think he's a genius. One of the best joke writers I've ever like. Yeah, kind of. It's met. it's stupid. It, it makes me a little angry. But um, I, I I see him and uh, I just it's the same thing. I want him to uh, he should be swimming in money, but he has no. Anyways, he could have come around for the first year, and because people weren't welcoming, he could have gone away. He had to stay and suffer a little bit. He had to stay. And I, I was at the first bomb he ever had. We were in Raleigh, and I was with another very funny friend of mine, and he got off, and I had never seen him do poorly. And I remember pointing at him and laughing just right in his face. And, like, anybody else who saw it would have been like, what a dick move. But it was like, you're here now. You're one right. of us. Do you know what I mean? Like. This now, is how I say, hey, you're not going anywhere. Welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Eat that. Taste it. It tastes like shit, but you need it. Take your vitamins. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I really, I had a bad show last week and I, I was telling you about it. I was in it and I hated it and I wanted right. to scream. Like I was screaming at myself, stop this joke. Why are you telling this bit that you hate so much that you haven't done in a year and a half? And, I was reading and because I've been so silly recently, I hated it specifically because- I didn't trust that if I was silly, they were going to like it. Ah. And So you felt like you were betraying like what you were doing. Yeah, because I've been focusing on just being silly. Right. And I could have... I could been working very hard on being silly, which is like <laughs> something you actually have to do. Like, I do I think do. silliness, the nuance of silly tends to be underappreciated because when it does look like chaos and madcap when you do it right. It's like, so... I, I I I don't feel that vulnerable in a lot of situations. Right. It's the most vulnerable I feel is when I'm, if I'm being silly and I'm uh, yelling at people about farts, that's what I've been wanting to do all day. Right. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? It's just so you know. And but it's it's difficult because if you if I go on, if I had gone on stage that day and yelled at the crowd about no farting and they didn't get it. You could have been bad. Right, but at least you still would have yelled about something. I would have, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You would still have that. Yeah. That's something I've gotten from nightmare shows is that, you know, the the fuck it moment yeah. is <laughs> very freeing. It is, yeah. I, I also feel like if I see people at open mics and they're just always good, I don't trust them. Right. <laughs> I don't trust them. Well, they're so and not 100% of the time, but I have found, and then... Like, I've been guilty of it, too, that it means I'm not trying something new. Yes. Like, and I've been guilty of it, for yeah. sure, a million percent. Uh, you know, it's really easy to be funny. I think, and that's a really... Once, once you, once you it's have developed it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think right. in general, I think there's people like you and, and like Jenny and, and, 
in like JD Etheridge and it's uh they you guys don't say it because it would bother other people, but being funny is easy. I, I think Jenny is happy to tell people she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is I think, fair. I think she has a tattooed on her somewhere. <laughs> that is funny. Uh yeah, I I, I don't know. Um the the taking swings though is really important and and it gets harder the more acclaim you've gotten yeah in, in a lot of ways well, i mean especially when you pair the business element with the that's art. the worst yeah yeah i think i'm subtracting myself from that honestly i don't i don't i uh i i think i realize that i i've been pretty like the art is important but it out of but uh I, I've also been concerned about what comes from it, sure. and I don't give a shit anymore. I just want to—if if I can't go to a place and yell at people about fun, I'm not going. Sure. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, and I get that, because uh, I definitely—we were—I mean, I, you were definitely further along, but I think before the pandemic, we were in a somewhat of a similar yes. situation where we, it felt like we were about to have a yeah. number of big opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And and, and and have the opportunities and be ready for them. And be ready for it. And yeah. like I was putting in work for this opportunity. Yeah, dude. Like almost separate from the work. Like yes. that I was like, yes. this it's for this this thing can happen. Yeah. But I was doing the thing that uh people on Instagram always say to do. You right. know what I mean? Like hustle, yeah. grind, yeah. work on your stuff. And I was out there like listening to Gary V, bro. Yeah. I was like ready to <laughs> fucking go, yeah. man. But when that just like disappears, yep. it's like Oh fuck! Oh, I did have fun just doing this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So trying to remember that. I mean, is... uh, you know, getting up because uh, I would through, through the pandemic. You know, there was a group of like ten people who would get together and stay twenty feet apart and uh, boil the microphone between sets. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, nobody was getting sick. Everybody was being super careful, but we were still going, and it had a, a very. I've never been a gym person. I, I don't get it. But uh, I was a I, I was an athlete at, at sometimes, and uh, those locker rooms always smelled bad, you know. But they had the feeling <laughs> of like work. And yes. Going into the empty comedy club with six people who have heard everything that everybody in that room has to say, and trying never to repeat anything was so good for me. And then I my uh, my phone broke, and I decided not to fix it. Uh, so I couldn't record anything. Right. So I've not recorded anything for eight months, and it's probably the best stuff I've ever done. And I only think it's the best stuff I've ever done because I haven't been able to listen to right. it. <laughs> if it's I could listen to it. Very Hedberg of I have to convince myself it's a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so thank you for being on the episode <laughs> thank again. You. Um Final, just qu is there anything, so rather than like set it up for the next episode, but sometime during the season, I might use it. Is there anything you've always wanted to see in a television show? Uh, you know what I'd like to see? I would like to see an honest representation of marriage. Okay. I will work in at least one scene. <laughs> That's what I want to see. An happens. honest representation. Not the woman berating the man right. and holding sex over his head and not, not him being the dumb... Uh, you know, guy at the bar avoiding right. his house, just like people who want to be together but actually hate each other too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> the comfortability of not having to have a relationship is the 
one of the biggest parts of a relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get it. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything you wanted to plug? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, give Send AJ <laughs> money and tell him that he's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I got a podcast coming out soon. And, oh, yes. and uh, I don't know. Follow me on Instagram, I guess. And the, your Instagram handle is? is at Eric Trundy. E-R-I-C-T-R-U-N-D-Y. And I will not post on there. But, you but know. will you post on there uh, before the podcast comes uh, out maybe. so we know when it's uh, coming maybe. out? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe. maybe um, <laughs> Just every... Couple of weeks, search the internet for Eric Trundy podcast. <laughs> Don't, yeah, uh, it, it'll be called Never Been Happier. Never Been Happier. Yeah, which uh, is, uh, I really love. I was going to name it I Love Wheels, but. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that's this episode. Bye. <laughs>